Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to review a research study done at North Dakota State University looking at hybrid rye as a source of energy and a backgrounding ration for growing calves. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Zach Carlson, who's Extension Beef System Specialist at North Dakota State University. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Dr. Carlson, I always like to take a look at what other universities are doing around different research projects related to growing cattle, feeding cattle. And I came across this study that you've done recently looking at hybrid rye as a grain source and a backgrounding ration. But before we talk about the study, share with us a little more about hybrid rye, uh, what the difference is between that and what we would most of us would be familiar with, uh, cereal rye. And why are you looking at this as a possible grain source for feeding cattle? Yeah, so these hybrid ryes are, uh, you know, um, rye in itself, an open pollinated rye, if we think of that as kind of our, our our standard rye, right, when we're talking about winter cereals and things along those lines, pretty pretty conventional there, um, is, is really... Uh, has a susceptibility to ergot, right? Or, or it's uh, it's uh, basically the alkaloids that build up, you know, in that in that stored feed. And uh, we don't really have for ruminant animals and 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 all animals don't really have a great tolerance for for those uh, alkaloids. And so, in that sense, there's often a lot of processing that gets kind of involved when when looking at feeding it on the grain side of things right and so a method around that and and of course when we think the use of rye it's not only for animal feeds it has many other purposes and so that cleaning process for milling or for distilleries and things along those lines certainly getting around that that ergot uh, build up within that within that grain is, is favorable. And so as a result, these hybrid ryes have come out and, and available. And so I would say in the last five, maybe five or more years, you know, in the recent couple of years, been looking at these hybrids and maybe how they fit. Now I mentioned they have a lot of value, you know, certainly when it comes to other processing and manufacturing millings and, 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 uh, uh, distillery industries. And so they can come typically at a higher price too. So, you know, I think it's our job in, in looking at it, how these potential options could fit in, uh, beef cattle systems. And so that's really kind of what got us started looking at that, uh, uh up here in North Dakota. So I know this isn't exactly in your wheelhouse, but just give us kind of some perspective. How would a hybrid rye compare to a, a typical open pollinated rye in terms of yield and production? Yeah. So actually, South Dakota State has a lot of great work. They've really addressed some of that um, in the last couple of years. Uh, some of their research reports, both on the agronomic side for variety trials and as well as as other um, cattle feeding research. And so looking at that, they, they've got some data from just a couple of years ago that the hybrid rise out yielded the open pollinated rye varieties. And in some cases, it was by a substantial amount um, talking, you know, 60 to 70% more yield coming out of those hybrid rye. So of course, you know, you think that doesn't come for free, right? Uh, that, you know, it, it, 
as you look at seed costs and things like that, that's definitely built into uh, looking at those hybrids and things. But but on the on a production standpoint, they uh, they do out yield the open pollinated or our conventional rye. We just think about where traditionally, I mean, rye's been. I would see say had a resurgent here in the last 15, 20 years as a cover crop, uh, been used widely, of course, as something to come back behind uh, something like sugar beets or dryable beans or, you know, something to have as a winter crop and then early spring grazing and could be chopped as silage or put up as hay. But uh, not often is it used as a grain source for feeding. As you already mentioned, there's some potential risk of ergot poisoning with that. So just talk a little more about ergot poisoning. What is that? I think help us understand what are some of the symptoms of cattle that get that. Yeah, so it's uh, essentially the the alkaloids coming from ergot. Uh, they get built up within the 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 animal's uh, system, so circulating and increasing concentration. It's a vasoconstrictor, and so essentially what you do is you start restricting blood flow to the extremities, right? So if we think uh, of uh, you know, in, in some cases, what happens with tall fescue, end of fight infected tall fescue, and it, it's a lot of similar things. We start limiting blood flow to, you know, the tail, of course, and the legs and the hooves ultimately, right? And and so I kind of point to, you know, thresholds. We always struggle, right, with what toxicity levels are. It's a difficult thing to research. Um, it's hard to repeat, in a lot of ways too, but, you know, current standings are, you know, for ergot levels, uh, we want to keep them, you know, through, uh, some of the more recent, uh, research reviews on, on ergot within our cereals, limiting that, uh, concentration to, uh, less than 2000 parts per billion, billion with a B there. Uh, so, um, when it comes to, you know, analyzing those, when we get to that point, if we're feeding it, measuring it at that level. But but again, those are thresholds that probably require a little more research when you look at it. So it appears, though, that these hybrid ryes have less risk of ergot. What's the scenario with that? Yeah, actually, that's a really good question that we are quickly leaving my <laughs> wheelhouse on. So I do not know the mode of action as it relates to what is the limiting factor there or what why those hybrids are more resistant to the ergot i do not know that uh specifically i know a lot of studies within these hybrids have been really focused on a couple specific hybrid types but the ergot alkaloid as to why you know those those are different um i, I can't really speak to that so set up for us the study that you looked at. What did you do in terms of including this in a backgrounding ration? What were you wanting to get at and try to understand? So uh, South Dakota State had done some work back in 2019 and 2020 on including it in finishing diets. I should also mention, of course, in the 2021, I believe, UNL beef report, they did some similar work uh, looking at steam flaking rye. The outcomes with finishing diets and looking at replacing a proportion of corn was they found that in diets that had 20% distiller's grains and inclusion level of corn, dry rolled corn of 60%. And then they basically took and replaced a third in, in, in a, a third proportions of that corn. So going from 
uh, 60% corn down to 40, down to 20, down to zero. And then that full replacement occurring with, with this hybrid rye. And so ultimately where we got concept to do our project was from results that they found within their finishing work that started to suggest that their results were that, uh, you know, they could replace about a third of the corn when it was included at that 60%. So 20% diet dry matter was you were able to replace corn for this hybrid rye. And so that, of course, being in finishing diets, pushed it to what, what would be those effects when looking in uh, backgrounding rations. And so that's ultimately what led us to our study and work there. And I do believe South Dakota is also looking into, you know, it's how does hybrid rye fit within growing rations. But of course, this really fits for us for some of the reasons you mentioned when we think of systems and how this might be incorporated in that way. You know, we're not a feedlot state, right? And so we have a lot of calves that do get backgrounded here. So it really is a good, you know, was a good for us to to work our way into this hybrid rye question and, and looking at you know, some of its value. And so that's kind of ultimately where uh, taking that same concept from South Dakota State and and looking at when we go include lower levels. So in the in the article, you know, we, we looked at zero to two uh to up to twenty percent inclusion of rye and doing that same third replacement rate. So looking at one third, two thirds and then a full replacement of corn. And basically kind of, you know, does it work in that in that environment with uh, the inclusion of distillers and corn silage and then uh, wheat straw. So the study you had, you had these cattle on a pretty high level of nutrition in terms of gain. I mean, you were averaging around three and a half pounds average daily gain on these cattle, at least in the first 28 days and backed off a little bit later on the second half. But uh, just go through us with us a little bit. What was the ration these calves were on and, and how was that set up? Yeah. So if we think of the, the control diet that we had, our comparison, it was on a dry basis, 20% corn, uh, 30% corn silage, uh, wheat straw then at 25% and modified distillers grains then being uh, 20% with a with a supplement of at, at 5%. So that's our base diet. And then as I was saying, we moved our way over to a full replacement of that 20% corn with 20% hybrid rye. And, and so, uh, with, with then, a, you know, two diets in the middle with a third of that replacement being of corn being with hybrid rye and two thirds, uh, replacement. So the thought there and kind of that level that, that energy, uh, is there's a fair amount of producers up here in North Dakota that will background calves for, you know, depending on the operation and when they wean, of course, and that in the year of, as we know with drought and stuff, but they'll wean and put calves on feed somewhere between 30 to 75 days. And, and typically those diets are at that, at that level again, um, you know, right around that three pounds. And so fairly representative diet, I think you'd find here in North Dakota. And so just bringing that, in, that rye into that scenario. Talk about the processing method you used with the rye. What was happening with that? Yeah. So we compared, you know, we used dry rolled corn and then we utilized a hammer mill to process that hybrid rye. And so ultimately, you know, we don't have the particle size in there. And off the top of my head, I can't quite remember what we were targeting for what that particle size was. 
you know, so a little difference there between the processing methods, though we are trying to target, you know, uh, size wise on that grain, uh, similar breakdown, but we have followed up this study we're talking about today with another one looking at um, dry rolled hybrid rye with uh, uh, hammer mill and grinding that rye and the differences there. But but here in this study specifically, we, we utilize the hammer mill to process that hybrid rye. So as you look at the study and you looked at the replacement rate of the dry rolled corn with the rye that went through the hammer mill, the results of your study would seem to indicate that uh, there really was no difference in performance in terms of replacement of the dry rolled corn with the rye. That's right. Yeah. So kind of at the end of the day, we're talking about a 56 day grower. So again, kind of very representative of what a lot of producers here in North Dakota are doing. Overall, uh, really those animals gained pretty much three, a uh, little over, you know, 3.15 for those 56 days on the, on the corn control. And then basically across all uh, variations of, of rye uh, replacement gained all, uh, similar in that fashion too. So really not, not any different. And so I guess kind of, uh, cover the results pretty easily, at least in this grower portion, we were able to replace up to, uh, the full amount of corn when only included at 20% of the diet dry matter with that hybrid rye. And so again, going back to some of that data and finishing diets with South Dakota state, they were able to replace uh, 20% of corn with hybrid rye. And so in these growing diets, it seems as though we can do uh, just that too and, and replace, uh, in this case, it was the full amount of corn at total inclusion there being at, at 20% uh, full replacement and, and see similar results. Now, I will point out that we did have uh, some interim data. And so I'm always uh, a little leery of looking at one day weights, uh, throughout the trial. You know, we, we like to re weigh our cattle on, uh, two times to start the trial and weigh them off twice and average those weights, uh, to determine, um, how we calculate our, our performance our animal gain. But we do have some interim data, which is reported in the livestock report. And, uh, there, you know, looking at, if we look at the first half of that 56 day, so the first 28 days there, we did see an improvement in dry matter intake. So animals gained about the same, but ate a little bit more as we increased the amount of, of hybrid rye. So kind of alluding to, you know, a slight uh, reduction in feed efficiency or feed conversion, right? So Potentially, you know, some of the argument there with rye is that it, it, it can't fully replace corn or that you start to lose energy content as you uh, replace more and more of the corn with the hybrid rye. And so maybe saw that a little bit, but again, interim, interim data. And so when we look at overall uh, dry matter intakes and animal gain uh, for the, just that, that initial 56 days, no difference uh, overall there. So you know, maybe something there, but, but also those, that interim data is, is sometimes, you know, uh, have to wonder the, the one day wait and everything that goes on there. But, but at any rate, yeah, we are able to, um, able to replace, uh, 20% corn with 20% hybrid rye in a growing, uh, backgrounding ration. So as you think about this research and you think about potential application for producers, where do you see this fitting or what might be opportunities for this in light of cropping systems and cost of production as we look at grain prices today? 
Yeah, great question, Aaron. I think ultimately, you know, I did my graduate program at Nebraska and and Jay Parsons had a big influence on me when we I think about systems work and and what goes into that. In my mind, it was always, you know, the the cost, right? And everything that goes into that. But he brought to light in a lot of ways thinking about labor and timing of that labor. And so where where I I get excited about this concept with rye and in in hybrid rye is um kind of thinking about how that could incorporate into a corn and soybean rotation if i think you know eastern half of both your state and mine right and, and the dakotas in general and in the northern plains really but regardless how it could fit into a crop rotation and again planting in the fall right of course and then kind of thinking about what else might go what might be occurring at that point in time really i think it gives you options for for when to harvest that and how you're going to harvest it is it in you know for us up here probably right around the may time frame uh come in and graze it in the spring right and and allow you to to maybe double double crop that field take uh, harvest the the rye as a forage and and uh, by grazing it and then come back in in that field or you know think of it in a lot of cases we can't depend on necessarily always getting into those fields with animals or maybe sometimes we don't want to in that in that springtime up here and so delaying that and harvesting it as as an annual forage hay and, and thinking about that is, and then of course you know further delaying it right and and providing an option for that grain harvest which then we can we can provide to those calves that fall when we wean. And so I think it really opens the door and puts labor in different places that favor different systems, uh, depending on on your operation and allows you to maintain some level of flexibility. When it comes to costs, there's certainly, I think, clear uh, definitions of where hybrid rye fits relative to open pollinator or conventional rye. And, and I think, you know, seed cost really lends itself towards, you know, um, in, in terms of grazing, I think some of the, the work that's out there on an, on a forage production side, uh, it doesn't seem to show any difference between hybrid rye and open pollinator, but certainly the seed cost for that hybrid rye is something to consider, but also yield improvements as we, as we kind of started our talk with, um, is also there. So I think, I think you got to really weigh where, uh, more depend on, on that hybrid drive. It was, uh, grazing, haying, or, or, you know, you had options to harvest for, for, uh, for grain and feed it out. And, and so that might, that might influence whether we're looking at some conventional winter rye or a hybrid variety, but certainly I think this kind of opens the door, uh, into, uh, a, a new concept for systems work. Anything else on this topic you think would be valuable for producers as we point towards wrapping up? I really think, you know, we talked about um, ergot alkaloids and, and certainly there's a cost to measuring that risk. And, and by that, I mean, you know, looking at what avenues where you can get that sent off. And so I guess to plug our diagnostic lab here at NDSU, they do offer uh, a test. Um, so it's it's ninety dollars to test your 
your sample for ergot, but but it comes back as a it's fairly comprehensive in that way. Would encourage anyone that's considering these options to certainly test your rye for it and looking at that, but but also knowing that there's ways to, of course, blend in those those feeds, but it's certainly something to um, be mindful of when thinking about incorporating these into, into um, our backgrounding and finishing rations. Dr. Carlson, appreciate your time. Thanks for the research you did and enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. I appreciate it. Well, for more on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the 2022 North Dakota Livestock Research Report. Research study we discussed today can be found in that report.